Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is a man who's got a massive brain. Mike Florio. He used to be a lawyer, then he decided to take his talents to the internet. NBC Sports. I'm sorry I'm late, I was talking to Robert Kraft. That isn't the time for an airing of grievances. Pro football talk. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. Mike Florio with Bernstein, Holmes, and Rahimi on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. The NFL is the focus of the entire world, a world that has gone completely daft in regard to the way it talks about things tangential to this league man oh man so he is here as always on the score hotline presented by circa sports illinois you can follow him at pro football talk and he's on twitch.tv slash chicago 670 to score hey mike hey i i noticed that the open got tweaked a little bit it kind of threw me off i'm a creature of habit i'm used to my rhythm and my routine all of a sudden there were different words there were different quotes I, th- I think that we had a little uh, Frank Costanza in there. I like that. Our production team is all about making the fresh sounds that our guests feel welcome. And you're always welcome here, sir. Well, thank you so much. It's great to be with you as always. And it's, it's an exciting time for the National Football League as we get closer and closer to the Super Bowl, even though it's all rigged and we all know the Chiefs are going to win because the NFL wants the Chiefs to win. So Taylor Swift can advance the PSYOP that will deliver the White House to the Democrats or some crap like that. You're on it. You are right on it. While she's also angering people for using her private plane because of the carbon footprint, and then they're not quite sure why they're supposed to be mad about the carbon footprint (laughs) because that gets back to man-made climate change, and then everybody's head explodes. So that's it's hard to clean up a carbon footprint when it gets on your rug. That's what. That's all I know. It's fifty degrees outside this week, so you might be onto something, Mike. Yeah, Mike. Why did Ben Johnson not want the head coaching jobs that were still available? Well, that's a great question. Last year when he pulled his name out, the thought was he knew he wasn't getting any of the jobs. So let's go ahead and make it look like I'm the one stepping aside. This year, it's a little more confusing. And I'm fascinated by the ability. And I I want to preface this by saying there was once a time Adam Schefter and I were friends. We currently aren't. I'm just amazed that he can get away with stuff that others can't get away with. And I'm not saying he's going to get away with this. I'm pointing it out currently. Throwing out there the idea that Ben Johnson's asking price spooked teams with no further information, with no further context, with no opportunity for Johnson or his agent to respond to this suggestion. 
seems irresponsible to me. And I would get dragged if I did it. But you put this out there to 10.7 million followers on X and it's treated as gospel. Ben Johnson's unreasonable. Ben Johnson's unrealistic. Ben Johnson's too big for his britches. I want to know more about this. What was the number? Is it reasonable to be spooked by the amount that Ben Johnson supposedly wanted? Is it 10? Is it 15? Is it 20 million? I don't know. And is it true? Or is it just face-saving by the commanders who had been linked so closely to Ben Johnson? He says, no, it still smells like Dan Snyder in here, or words to that effect, stays in Detroit, and now they make it about him, not about them. So that one tweet has a lot of curiosity that it sparks, and I feel like it's not something that you put out there without more, and at a minimum, without giving Johnson a chance to refute it, explain it, comment on it, confirm it, whatever. At what point does it get into tortious interference? Well, I don't know that it quite goes that far, but what it does, what it does is it feeds the narrative through which people will perceive Ben Johnson all year long and into next year. So he was hot candidate presumed to be destined to have a job this cycle. Now he goes back into the mix with everyone else. What if the Lions fall off this year? What if Bobby Slowick becomes the guy for 2025 because the Texans get better? C.J. Stroud improves on a great rookie season. And you've still got Bill Belichick and Mike Vrabel hanging around. What if Johnson begins to sink, fueled by what could be, could be, we don't know, an unfair perception that he wants too much? I'm just uncomfortable with all of it. And I just think it's not proper, not that I have any journalism training, but I've been doing it for 20 plus years now. And I've learned through trial and error, more error than trial, how to properly do this job. There are just certain third rails that you want to be careful about jumping on without giving people a chance to chime in. And putting something like that on a guy, I think is unfair without giving him a chance to respond to it. But that's my point is if it results in what tortious, yeah. tortious interference results in, then how is it not that? I think that it's a high bar to prove that there was some sort of deliberate attempt to interfere with future business possibilities. And let's face it, there's still a chance for Ben Johnson and his agent to try to put out there something else. Who back is his agent, December, Mike? Who, who Do you know who represents Rich, him? Richmond Flowers is his agent. Okay. And back in December, Josina Anderson had a more vague and incomplete version of what ultimately was put out there yesterday, Flowers jumped on it and said it was false. He hasn't said anything about what Schefter said yesterday. And I've tried to contact him via X because he follows our accounts so you can message him. I've tried to get him that way. He hasn't responded to me. I'm trying to give the guy the chance to do what, based upon Schefter's tweet, he didn't get a chance to do. Correct the record, confirm it, deny it, clarify it, whatever. But yeah, I, I so... I think there's an obligation here at some point for Ben Johnson's agent to chime in, even if Schefter should have given him a chance to proactively. I feel like when I'm listening to you, like there's a real concern about the messaging that comes from those who are powerful. You're now, admittedly, you're one of those voices inside of the the NFL sphere of influence. But I I share some of that with you. Like we were talking about it today. Like maybe he did say maybe his price was ridiculous for your job, you know, for, for the Washington job. 
maybe it wouldn't be for a job that he actually wanted. And and there's a lot of layers to this where it, I, I love Adam Schefter and I think that he serves a valuable purpose. But we've seen a lot of people, and he's not the only one, that have been doing like one source reporting that sometimes looks like it's doing the bidding of a team or an agent or whomever. Exactly. And that's what Schefter does. And I think the audience has evolved to the point where most people understand that there is a quid pro quo that is a continuous treadmill of information exchange and from time to time, the reporter holding his nose and carrying the water so that he'll be the one to break the commander's coaching hire. And I fully expect he'll be the one to break the commander's coaching hire in exchange for putting it out there. And sometimes it's overt and sometimes it's implied. I'll give you a quick story. Once upon a time, there was an angle I continued to push that made one specific team uncomfortable. An executive high level from that team contacted me and said, can you just stop saying this thing that you're saying? If you do, I'll give you our next big scoop. And I thanked him for confirming my own suspicions about how the sausage gets made. I don't play that game and I suffer from it because I don't get to tell the world five minutes before the team announces it, what they're going to do. And you pay attention. That's what Schefter does 99% of the time. He tells us what's going to be announced five minutes later. And some people say there's value in that. Fine. But that's what he does. And you have to get yourself in position to get that five minute heads up. And if they're happy with you, they're going to give you the five minute heads up. Is there anyone that's concerned now that the ESPN has gone full go on on their betting service about what some of the relationships with their insiders could be and, and, and the danger that the, of the mixing of all of that stuff could be? I get the impression that whatever level of concern there is from the league, from ESPN, from anyone connected to any of this is, whatever level it is, it's not nearly enough. I don't get the impression the league fully appreciates all the ways that gambling can undermine the integrity of the game or the perception of the integrity of the game. And I think that ESPN is way too early in this full bore in bed with gambling. Everywhere you go, you see the ESPN bet billboards. I do here in West Virginia. The ads are everywhere. It's inextricably linked. Bet, 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 bet. And yes, there are certain wagers that are based not on what happens during a game. They're based on information that people have that become action, whether it's who gets drafted where, which quarterback signs with which team, which coach goes to which team. And that information can be used to the advantage of the person who has it. There's monetary value. And I just don't believe that people fully appreciate the risks associated with how that information could get misused for wagering purposes. Mike, what are we learning now about what the NFL, in, and it's possible they did some really awful things in promises that were made regarding the head injury settlement and allowing players to die on their watch. And now we're, we're getting some of the testimony that has come out here. How bad is this? Well, the NFL is trying to strike a very delicate balance in the remaining litigation that traces back to the concussion settlement, which was first negotiated August of 2013. It was finalized years later. Players still today trying to get their share, rightfully so, of what they're qualified to receive. But the NFL is trying to get insurance money 
to pay for a substantial part, if not all, of that exposure the NFL eventually had. So to get the coverage, the NFL has to say, yeah, hey, look, football causes long-term brain trauma. And then on the other hand, you, you don't want to kill your sport by telling the world too loudly football causes long-term permanent brain trauma. And at the center of that is the commissioner who, who was inclined when pressed on this issue in July of 2022 in a deposition in this insurance coverage case to downplay it. Then Jeff Pash, the general counsel, comes in and, and tries to it. clean it up. And that's the problem. The NFL still has the potential for an existential threat to the game if it's too candid about the risks of head trauma. But the NFL would like to pick up a billion or so from its insurance companies for the money that it had to pay out. So it's a tough spot for the NFL. And the best move would be settle it and move on, because the longer you try to strike that balance, the greater the chance you're going to fall off the wire. I'm glad you said what you said. I'm glad you phrased it specifically by saying football causes brain damage, not concussions, because that's been part of this delicate, exquisite dodge blaming the issues on concussions when, in fact, the science says it's the accumulation of the subconcussive hits that's far more dangerous. Absolutely. And, you know, they focus on all the things they're doing to make the game safer. It is still inherently risky. And even if you have the best helmet that money could ever buy and invent and devise, you still have guys who are moving full speed in one direction are suddenly stopped and their brand bounces off the inside of their skull. It doesn't matter what's on the outside of it. It still happens on the inside. So it's something they're never going to get away from. They've been fortunate that you don't have a mass migration of highly talented players away from football. But that's, I think, the last frontier in court for them to have to worry about this. They want their money from the insurance companies. And don't get me started on what insurance companies do to not pay out claims. They, they'll take your money in. They don't want to pay the money out. But the other side of it is you have to admit, if you're the NFL, that football is a problem. And they don't want to admit that. Even to this day, 30 years after the creation of the Mild Traumatic Brain Injury Committee for the sole purpose of downplaying and delaying the reckoning, they still don't want to admit what we all know. On behalf of those of us with health insurance, keep speaking, Mike. I also want to ask you about the residual Bill Belichick discussion, especially when it's a lot of the time coming from teams who don't have head coach openings. What do you make of this? You know, I, I'd like to say I'm stunned by Jerry Jones speaking so candidly yesterday about potentially hiring Bill Belichick in the future, but there is nothing Jerry Jones can say at this point in his life that will stun me, especially as he gets deeper into his 80s and any remaining filter that he ever had disappears through the workings of biology on the human brain mouth connection. So he goes on and on yesterday about how great Belichick is, one of the great coaches of all time, and he'd have no qualms about working with him while he's got a coach. And we're just two weeks removed from widespread speculation that that coach was going to get thrown overboard for Bill Belichick. It's astounding to me. You couple that with, and it's not really reporting. It was rumor mill at the Senior Bowl that Greg Bedard of Boston Sports Journal shared with a radio station in Boston, 98.5, the sports buzz. And, you know, this idea that the Eagles were eyeballing Belichick if things went sideways with Nick Sirianni. So now if Belichick doesn't get a job this cycle, you've got the Cowboys, you've got the Eagles. You've got possibly the Giants because he won a couple of Super Bowls as their defensive coordinator and things there aren't going great. If I'm the commanders and I just got, I don't want to say left at the altar by Ben Johnson, because again, we don't know what happened. But if I'm 
not getting the guy that everybody thought was my first choice. At what point do I say, well, the only way to keep from having to deal with Belichick in the future is to just bite the bullet and hire him now. Hmm. That's an interesting thing to think on. Um, Mike, we appreciate the time as always. Thank you for joining us today. All right. Thanks. Have a great week. That's Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk. Next up, Adam Hogue will get Bears specific with us. They're filling out some positional coaches and not all with their first choice. So we'll discuss next on The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Bernstein and Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Adam Hogg says... Adam Hogue, Bears beat writer for CHGO Sports. What's up, everyone? My name's Adam Hogue. This is the CHGO Bears podcast. We just need to kick Adam Hodge off the show and let him come back on Tuesday. Host of the Hogue and John's podcast. Mark Tressman's face just popped up on my computer, by the way. Adam Hogue. Adam Hoagie or Hogg, excuse me, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. With Bernstein, Holmes, and Rahimi on 670 The Score. Let's talk some Bears with Adam Hogue. He joins us on the Score Hotline, presented by Circus Sports Illinois. He is on Twitter at Adam Hogue and twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 The Score. What's happening? Hey, guys. How, everyone's, how is uh, everyone doing? We're doing great, man. What, what do you think of how the Bears have filled out their staff on the offensive side? Actually, on both sides of the ball now. Well, what do you think of the hires that they've made? Yeah, I, I, I like the hires. Um, and, you know, can't pretend to know everything about all these guys, obviously, and we'll get to know them as they get in the building. But um, I do know enough about some of these guys. Uh, Thomas Brown has a connection to Wisconsin. He spent a year there. And obviously, I, but, but more what I like is is the process here. So, and what I mean by that is, you know, these are sensible hires and qualified hires. So when it comes to Shane Waldron at the top, one of the things I wanted, and I think all of us wanted was, you know, somebody who had play calling experience. Okay, check that box. Um, doesn't change the overall offensive scheme too much. 
Obviously, there'll be tweaks. There's going to be small things like, does he like a true fullback or does he like more of that hybrid tight end that could do both? Track record in Seattle is that maybe they don't keep a guy like Kari Blasting him around. So there's little intricacies like that that may be different. But overall, the scheme isn't a drastic change. So that helps too. Now you start talking about, okay, how is he filling out the staff? Well, Thomas Brown, who he was with in L.A. with Sean McVay, guy who interviewed for the OC job, already an OC job, uh, offense coordinator in the league, comes in, and now he's your passing game coordinator, okay? Now you add um, Morris, uh, Chad Morris. He's on the staff from Seattle. Same thing with the quarterbacks coach, Kerry Joseph. So these are guys that he knows well that he's bringing in here. And Morris was a running game coordinator already in Seattle. So I don't know if he's going to have that title here in Chicago or not, but he has that experience. So if you think about it and you zoom out, you're like, all right, they just went from having Luke Getze, who would never call plays in the NFL, and Andrew Janoco, a quarterback's coach who had only done that for one year in Minnesota, to having a qualified OC with play calling experience, a run game coordinator, uh, or possibly a run game coordinator, but somebody who's been a running game coordinator. Uh, establish OC who's gotten head coaching interviews in the past and Thomas Brown, who's your passing game coordinator. And we haven't even gotten to the quarterback's coach yet who does have ties uh, to the OC from the last place he came. So it all makes a lot more sense to me and the experience level, you got to like it. Now, if there's one thing that you want to push back on, too many cooks in the kitchen, this is something we went through with Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy went from really not having a, a qualified OC to then all of a sudden bringing in all these guys. And, and John DeFilippo. Really remember how excited we were about John DeFilippo? Yep, and Bill Lazor and all that. Now, the one caveat there that I think is huge, it's a big difference, is those were still guys he didn't necessarily know well. They weren't necessarily guys that they had a coaching history together. They were still kind of blending all these philosophies, and they didn't really have an identity. This seems like a coaching staff that knows exactly what their identity is going to be. They're all on the same page in terms of their experience, the offenses they've worked in. Um, and so I do think it should work different, but I also think it's fair to play devil's advocate for a minute and be like, wait a minute, there are some similarities here between what the last coaching staff had to do when they changed after a, a couple of years. I do think, though, that in this case, like Matt Nagy, when there was a big coaching staff turnover, the discussion was he hired a lot of yes men. Like, he got rid of the people who disagreed with him, and that was something that was widely discussed. And I feel like in this case, it is the experience piece and also just trying to fill the needs they have. What do you think on the defensive side about Eric Washington? We hadn't talked to you since it happened. Yeah, big big fan of this hire um, because – and I was wondering – you know, I thought I thought Flus tipped his hand a little bit in that he didn't just promote somebody midseason. That seemed to be like a, you know something that would have made a lot of sense. John Hoke, who's you know has a ton of experience in the league, seemed like somebody who could have stepped into that DC role midseason. He already was the passing game coordinator on the defensive side, but the fact that Flus didn't do that told me that he was going to try to hire somebody from the outside. Because if you promote somebody in mid-season, it's kind of hard to take away that title without, you know, that coach moving on in the offseason. So, you know, Eric Washington, this guy, again, we're talking about somebody with experience. Um, you're threading a needle here between finding somebody with experience, but also somebody that didn't necessarily demand that they had to call plays, which I think is if you're hiring Chris Harris from Tennessee, 
Um, that's somebody that I think you would have had to relinquish play calling duties to, to get him to come. And I don't think that that would have been a good idea based on what we saw from Matt Eberflus. So not only do you get a qualified coach who, who's, you know, got a ton of experience in this defense that they've run, but also has been in the building before as a coach and on Lovey Smith's staff back in 2010. On top of that, what I also love is he goes and gets different experience under Sean McDermott too in a winning organization. So this one really checked off a lot of boxes for me. And perhaps most importantly, he's also a defensive line coach. And if you look at that defense right now and where they still need to take a huge step forward, getting somebody like Eric Washington to work with Jervon Dexter could be huge this offseason. Um, and our colleague here at CHGO, Corey Wooten, uh, I would encourage people to go listen to what he had to say on our emergency podcast on this over the weekend because he played for Washington both at Northwestern and then a few years later when he got drafted by the Bears. Um, and he had some just some really good real-life examples of what he did for Corey Wooten um, to make him a better football player. Hoger, I wanted to run something by you that I've been asking all of our people who are around the Bears. Is it possible, and do you think, that the play-calling element for Matt Eberflus went beyond him being able to show off his skills as a play, play, a play caller, but also allowed him to connect with the players in a way that maybe he hadn't done in the first year of being head coach? You know, it's possible. Um, and, and I think that there were hints of him even admitting that in his end-of-season press conference, too. I don't have any problem with the way he came in and tried to be that true CEO type coach in year one. Um, I think that's actually what this organization needed in that moment. And I think that that probably put him in a good position to, you know, understand both the offense, understand the defense, but, you know, to his own admission, he's talked about, you know, he wasn't necessarily in the weeds in those defensive meetings. He was spending a lot of time in the offensive meetings. He was spending a lot of time with Justin Fields. Um, and so this sort of forced his hand very suddenly in week two to get back to, you know, his true roots of being in that defensive room more, connecting with those players. Um, and so I think there's some truth to that. And, you know, I think he showed that he's a he could be a pretty good defensive play caller. It wasn't perfect. I mean, obviously the the third down call in Cleveland late in the year was bad, and we had players we heard from players openly questioning it after the game. But the fact that that didn't turn into like uh, a thing, you know, it seems like the dialogue between him and the defensive players is pretty strong, and that they can they can be critical of each other and take it and learn from it. I think that's a, a strong quality in a coach. And so, you know, I think there's definitely still some questions about Matt Eberflus, the head coach, but I, there's very few things I didn't like about Matt Eberflus, the defensive coordinator last year. Do you think that the Bears are going to tag Jalen Johnson if for no other reason to buy a little bit of time and or to artificially spur negotiations on a long-term deal? Yeah, um, I think that at a minimum, that's 100% where this is headed. Um, with the, the one caveat being that if the Bears just come in and they're like, hey, look, man, this guy proved it. Let's let's make him the highest paid corner. Let's just get this thing done and move on. Um, 
then maybe a deal gets done faster than that. Uh, Jalen Johnson certainly helped himself. You can just hear in his hits on on six seven the score how you know that all you know even his mindset. He went from saying around the trade deadline, "I'm not asking to be the highest paid corner in the league," to oh now all of a sudden I got my hands on the football a lot, got those interceptions, proved all those things I didn't uh, you know hadn't proven to that point. And now why why can't I be the highest paid guy? Now there is one very very important. Um, aspect to this that does need to be addressed and maybe will be the one hang up if this does head to a franchise tag and they don't come to an agreement and maybe he doesn't end up being the highest paid corner. And that's this shoulder issue, which was already a thing before he re-injured it late in the year, because that was always on the college scouter report and has been something that hasn't necessarily been a major issue. I think overall, he's been a durable player in the NFL, but when he has had issues pop up with, you know, availability, it's these shoulders that, that still tend to, to, to be somewhat of an issue. And so if the Bears are going to sit there and say, hey, look, you know, we still have this. It popped up again late in the year. We need to, you know, be careful. That could be the one hang up still. But otherwise, I think Jalen Johnson earned his money. And I think the Bears agree that Jalen Johnson earned his money. I asked this to Brad Spielberger, and I'll ask this to you as well. Do you think that because there is a new offensive coordinator, regardless of the fact that there are years on existing contracts that the bears could get a new center. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, and well, Lucas Patrick is a free agent anyway. Um, I think Cody Whitehair is out the door. Um, you know, I, 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 I expect them to have a new center next year. I think that that's a no brainer. I have been watching a lot of the senior bowl stuff this week, Jackson powers, Johnson from Oregon, um, the, the only problem with him right now is he's too good. You know, he might go, he might go middle to late first round at this point. And, uh, unless the bears trade back, you know, kind of farther back into that range or they get more for a Justin Fields trade than maybe they think right now. And they end up with a later first round pick instead of an early second. Um, I don't know that he's going to be reachable, but I, I personally, and I've brought up this comp, like there was years before they drafted Eddie Jackson, where I was screaming on Hogan Johns like every year it seemed like, they need to draft a safety. Fix the safety position because it really hadn't been solidified since like Mike Brown. There was a huge gap in there where they were bringing in, um, who was that one guy, Merriweather, right? Who was just like um, getting fined every single year. Brandon week. Merriweather, um, yes. Yeah. Right, 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 like I, I'm – how many years did we go through stuff like that? And it was like, just draft a safety, find one of these guys. That's how I feel with the center position right now. Like, okay, maybe it's not as important as offensive tackle on your list of, of positions, but at some point you need to address it. Um, and I, it's, it's towards the top of my list of needs for the bears this off season. Tell Nicholas to find one while he's down there. Yeah. Well, you know, based on his feed, he's, he's definitely in love with this, with the Oregon center. I just mentioned, um, the they West Virginia guy, he, he's going to that. I, I agree with you. I think he's going to end up being in, in the teens before it's all said and done. Yeah. It, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, he's, and, and what's interesting about him is he's only one year guy at center. Um, but he just dominated all year. He's been dominating these practices. Now I think it's Zach Frazier, the kid out of West Virginia. He's interesting too, but he tore his ACL late in the year. So I think he's going to be ended up being a good player. That might be some value you get, but by getting him later because of that knee injury, but then, you know, is he actually going to be ready to play this year? You don't really know the answers to that right now. 
Yeah, I just I just need a new center. And I don't know if it's going to come through free agency or if it's yes. if it's going to come Speak through Speak it the into draft, existence. But it just I know they love positional flexibility and all, but I need I need positional dedication here. I think that makes yeah, a lot I, of sense. It makes too much sense, which is probably why I'm so sad <laughs> talking about it. Hoger, we appreciate you, man. Thanks for being on the show. All right, guys. Yeah, sorry I missed you last week. I was very, very sick. I'm feeling better. Uh, I missed you, and um, hope everyone has a great week. We you feel too. better thanks to you, Adam. It's nice to talk to you. That's also, Adam Hogue. Hey, guys. tell Thanks. the guys that uh, that that Senior Bowl's a gateway drug. That's how we got a backup quarterback. Okay. Oh, for now. Do you think they? You think this new regime is just as enamored with the backup quarterback that? I they mean, that's how it happened. Senior Bowl. Luke Getzey, Senior Bowl, Mister Yes, Mister Bajent, and also Tyson. And now Luke Getzey is looking for a job elsewhere. He keyed. What was the term? Keyed Justin Fields to improvement. Yeah, he he was the reason for Justin Fields' late season improvement. Which, if that were the case, then both yeah, guys would improved. would probably be Bears going forward. But it looks like it. We know that one of them won't, and it looks like the other one won't either. But keyed, keyed. Fine. Yeah, keyed is a good term. If if for Justin Fields was the Ferrari, right. he sure keyed it the hell up. Yeah, he did. Drag. We've got key. high noon. When we come back. I have a terrifying story with a happy enough ending. I have what it could sound like if Taylor Swift joined Usher. I have a what could be a happy start, but a terrifying ending. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670. I'll be back this way on Monday. We'll settle this then. Right there, out in the street, in front of the palace alone. Yeah, right. When? High noon? I say this at this time every Wednesday. This is the peak of your work week. It's all downhill from here. We began by discussing this phenomenon of the hot young coordinators deciding they like being hot young coordinators. Bleep your job. And they don't have to hurry out of being hot young coordinators, and they like doing what they're doing, and that's cool. We looked at the the accelerating plans for the White Sox building at the 78, and as long as I'm not contributing to it, I'm happy for it. Go ahead. Do whatever you want. But it doesn't mean we're not going to pay attention to your crappy baseball team and how crappy your baseball team is. And uh, your basketball team is not much better. We discussed the Bulls' lazy, stupid, sad performance last night. What's going on with Dylan C's? Not a thing. Yep. Um, Sound effect is the right answer. Our guy Speaks suggested over the last couple days that Usher should... Call Taylor Swift and ask if she wants to be a part of the halftime show, which 
would be a great gesture, but she's also flying back from Tokyo if she is even coming to the game, which I imagine she is, but that's a lot to ask as far as Super Bowl performances goes. But if it were to happen, I bet it would sound a little bit like this. Like eight foot four, blonde hair to the floor. You shorties never thought I dreamed about rapping hardcore. No, I ain't got a gun. No, I never really been in a club. Still live with my parents, but I'm still a thug. I'm so gangsta. You can find me baking cookies at night. You out clubbing, but I just made Carol's a life. She swift and T-Pay rapping on the same track. It's a thug story. Tell me, can you handle that? I don't know. Can you handle it? How old is that? It's a, it's a it's a a little old, but we went back into the archives. That's my might be what it sounds like. That is a gem of a find. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where's T Pain on that track? Do we have that part of it? Oh, I'm sure it's out there, but I didn't bring that part in. I didn't want to scare studs. <laughs> he was already scared from the Taylor Swift stuff. Wait, what? Huh? <laughs> I don't what? Cookies? Cookies, you say? Car- caramel delights, terrifying. Yep, gangster. But that's what it could sound like. Staying with the music theme, I would like to go next. California storage unit buyers come across belongings that may have ties to MC Hammer and others. And you know what that means Death Row Records. A couple of Northern California TikTok users posted that they bought a storage unit locker, which you can do if, if it's been left un, unattended to for a while. There's whole shows on that. Mm-hmm. Right. You can find the head of Benjamin Raspberry. So here's how they knew it, by, it might be MC Hammer. The first item mentioned. What do you think the first item mentioned is in a storage unit you think might belong to MC Hammer? Pants. E- something gold. Parachute pants. Yeah. The storage unit had parachute pants. A couple of fur coats, a Mac computer, and over <laughs> and over thirty master tapes labeled Death Row Records. Ooh. MC Hammer, DJ Quick, and Snoop. What? That's this a find. is a gold mine. Yes, it is. What was this doing in some random storage unit? Wait till somebody buys Grobstein's. We see we read the same story that well, Conurco wanted to buy the Lee Ilya tape, right? That's true, but somebody's going to find one of these, and it's going to be all 1980s media guides. But they don't necessarily the dinner rolls. They don't necessarily believe it's it's actually Authentic? his. Yes. So the quote is: "Until I actually hear from MC Hammer himself or Snoop Dogg, I don't believe it." People claim to be managers, but all we have is the documentation, the tapes, and people are contacting me. Claiming to be affiliated with them. So obviously something's going on. I think you want to be very careful with the word affiliate and when mm-hmm. it comes to death row records. Yeah, yes. and if, if they're death row affiliated, they're not going to ask for it. They're just going to take get it. it. <laughs> yeah, they're going to get it wherever it is. I understand that there's a certain cachet to hiding in plain sight, but this just seems a little too plain to not maintain it. Well, there could have also been where Hammer did go through some pretty interesting money problems and maybe oh, some they, complicated bankruptcies. Yeah, too, right? so maybe yeah. there there was some stockpiling of stuff. Which also had our picture on it. Yeah. Also when when Wait, when Hammer went bankrupt, they also just put up a picture of the Bernstein and Holmes show. Bernstein and Holmes picture on the parachute pants in this storage facility. Yep. What's going on? Yep. All right. Oh, 
I know what you guys are referring to. Yeah, that was really messed up. I mean, somebody's got to be the picture. What are you doing? But like, why was it you two? Why not just the logo? Of the company that's actually actually in the conundrum? Giant national company. It's like, well, here's here's old here's, birds needed homes. Bringing the company down. Right you guys look so happy about yeah, it. Our numbers are great. Life's pretty good. Like you're sitting in this like really nice studio that's also relatively. They weren't new. spending so much money on Bernstein and Holmes. <laughs> they might be able to pay off their senior bonds. <laughs> Scrooge McDuck just diving into his money. <laughs> Stupid. That's what it is. Is that the second DuckTales reference of the day? Woohoo! A woman fell into a dumpster while throwing out her garbage and was later rescued from a trash truck that had compacted the contents while she was inside. This is this is terrifying to me. Those vestibules and the dumpsters, man. That is that is a fear. According to fire department officials in Manchester, New Hampshire, luckily neighbors heard her screams and the trash compartment was equipped with a camera. The oh. driver spotted the woman stuck inside and called 911. By then, the driver had reportedly compacted the garbage up to 4 times. <gasps> How did she have any oxygen? I don't know that it's wow. airtight, but it's it, this is this is like the scene in Star Wars. Rescuers used a basket ladder to reach the top of the truck and lift her out. By then, she was standing, talking, and yelling, but was not alert enough to answer questions. The woman was taken to a hospital after Monday's misadventure. Her name was not released. And Battalion Chief Bob Baudet told WMUR-TV, In 32 years, I've never seen anything like this in my whole career. It's alarming because you don't really think it's true. Indeed, she, she fell into a dumpster. She was thrown into a garbage truck. And the garbage was compacted with her. In, and if it had been later in their run, she'd be dead. Yes. Oh, God, that's so disturbing. But she's okay enough. Nope, that is... Well, yeah. She's not dead. I mean, she's... That is a fear of mine. Like the Falling cr- into a garbage truck? Well, more so the open, you know, just holes in the street for trash that they have, like in, say, New York or something. Yeah, that's terrifying. That All of that is... possible. It's too possible still is what you're saying? Yep. Okay, uh, so I'm, I'm reinforcing these anxieties with the story that did I mean, happen. I don't age. know how much of a daily anxiety it is. It's just knowing that it's a possibility and a likely one, odd speaking, is not great. So I guess I shouldn't mention, like, the bouncy vents right next to NBC Tower underneath there that make you feel like you're going to fall through them. Yeah, I don't go to those. Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, but I do actively wear like stiletto heels and walk across uh, like the vents that the go grates? over the subway. Yeah, I worry more the about key- dropping my keys through one than falling through one. No, the secret is to keep the weight in your toes. And as far as your keys are concerned, just have something on your keychain, like hand sanitizer, that prevents it from falling all the way through. Then you've got your hand sanitizer and your keys all in one place. That, see, that's that's the one thing that I always argue with my wife about because she has one of she has her keys on a keychain and dog, we heard you like keychains, so we put a keychain on your keychain, and there's all this extra stuff on there. Flare. 
No, it's because in a big bag. Extra flair. The, the, the reason it's is in a, in, when you're when you're sort of rooting around in a big bag, they're easier to find. Yeah, for there's those always an keep, excuse for the flair, but the, it's still flair. But for those of us who keep it in our front pocket, I'm always if I take her car, I take all the extra stuff off because I don't want all that stuff in my pocket. Right. The flare it's messes not, up the lining of your. Pants. It's a hundred percent flare. She says it's not. She says it's the pra- it's practical because it helps her find her keys easier in her bag. There is an it, entire it has, influencer culture related for stuff for your stuff for your stuff. Yes. Have you seen the fanny pack for the Stanley Cup? What the hell is that? It's flare. Okay. Woo! You said it. Woo! Yar. Yar, indeed. Yep. No, no that's happening. Misplaced yar in 2024. More of it. Support more in 24 and misplaced yar in 2024. Next up, you got a scoop for us. NBC had the scoop, but it might not be the scoop you think it is until the end. Whoa. Fair Stadium. That part two. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.